Welcome back to the Football Foundations. You are listening to this on any podcast platform that you have available. I am your host, Arthur Meyer. I am here to bring you guys all the great news, action, and lovely things about the NFL. This show, NFL, all the time, every day. Well, not every day, but every week. Today, talking about many sorts of topics. Big ones, going into injuries, calming down finally. Then, backup QBs, having a shot today. And lastly, we are also going to get into, before our football foundation of the day, we are getting into reaction of one of the best games of the day, Packers Saints. So stay tuned and we will be back. Alrighty, we are back into the football foundations. We are talking NFL right now. We're getting to NFL injuries. This week, luckily, was not as bad as last week. Last week and week two, there were so many injuries. The NFL was just not doing good. It showed proof that not having a preseason was costly for these players. This week, however, the injuries calmed down a bit. However, there's still three big injuries. We had Chris Carson, who got injured in the game against the Cowboys. Tariq Cohen, who might be out the rest of the season with an injury. And then lastly, there is Buda Baker for the Arizona Cardinals, who got hurt in the game today against the Detroit Lions. Chris Carson's injury was very interesting. Chris Carson was getting a carry, running the ball, and... Cowboys defensive tackle wrapped him up and seemed to alligator roll with his leg. There should have been a penalty called, and also there is obvious he's going to get a big fine, but this is huge because now Chris Carson, the premier running back in Seattle, is going to possibly be out for a week, maybe more. Not exactly sure of the severity yet. We'll find out on Monday, which is tomorrow. And with that, the Seahawks, however, have been leaning on their pass game this season, so it's not a huge blow. However, it does give them, it does take away the element of the run game a little more than it would have usually. For the Bears, they possibly lost Tariq Cohen today. He might have torn his ACL. It's not 100% sure, but they fear it's a torn ACL. If that is so, that's a huge blow for the 3-0 Bears. Again, somehow 3-0 Bears. I don't know how they made it to 3-0. But they're 3-0 and now. Uh, if they lose Tariq Cohen for the year, that's huge. Yes, they have David Montgomery, so it's not going to take away their run game. But Tariq Cohen was a huge, versatile player. He ran the ball. He caught the ball. He was a good returner. He did everything and anything that team needed to, him to do. He can line up almost any position on the field on offense. And he could do almost anything special teams-wise. The Bears will miss him if he tore his ACL and is out for the season. Lastly, Buda Baker. Buda Baker is the safety hybrid linebacker player that the Arizona Cardinals have. He is a huge player. He's amazing. All pro last year. Very well deserved. And he's one of the best defensive players in our league. He is a cornerstone of that, has, that what has been a pretty good Cardinals defense this season who suffered a tough loss today to the Detroit Lions, 26-23. Very surprising. Of course, that really goes towards the offense. They did not play well. Kyler Murray had three picks today. But without Buda Baker, I don't know how strong that defense can be. They still have a great pass rusher in Chandler Jones and a good corner in Patrick Peterson and hopefully a good 
linebacker in Isaiah Simmons, but nobody knows. He hasn't played up to his potential yet. Obviously, he's only played in three games now, but the Cardinals need Buda Baker defensively. Without him on defense, that defense is completely different. He is the captain of that defense. He runs everything. He knows where the play is going to be, and he's almost always one of the first guys to the ball. So I want to get into this topic. It's a really interesting one. Today we saw three total backup quarterbacks play. We saw Nick Foles come in for Mitchell Trubisky in the Chicago Bears game. Jeff Driscoll had to start today due to Drew Locke being out. And then the Broncos benched Jeff Driscoll for Brett Rippon late in the second half. Nick Foles, he, in his first possession, threw a pick. What did not look good. But then he led them back. They were down 26-10 to with six and a half minutes left. He led them back, and they won that game 30-26. to That is just unbelievable. I mean, you don't hear of those things. I mean, Nick Foles was 16 of 29, 188 yards, and three touchdowns. Of course, he did have that pick, like I mentioned. However, he came in with only six minutes left in the game, and they were down 16 points. He came in, well, he came in a little bit before that uh, and threw the interception. Next drive, he punted. Then they were able to stop the Falcons and force a missed field goal. Then they turned over on, and then they did score a touchdown. Then Nick Foles was just lights out. I mean, he looked like Nick Foles from the 2018 Super Bowl. He was able to go out there and get the Bears offense down the field and made them play just absolutely amazing. With with five minutes left, they were down three. And Nick Foles was able to, or their defense really, was able to get a good stop. Just looked like the Chicago Bears defense from a few years ago. And then they were able to go down and Nick Foles threw the game winner with two minute, less than two minutes left. Very methodical. And the defense stopped him again. And really, it kind of goes to prove that Nick Foles with a good team, or a good defense at least, can be a good quarterback. If his defense can help him out enough, he will be able to make sure that team can win. Nick Foles, I think, will be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season. I believed back uh, before the season started that he was going to win the starting job eventually. If it wasn't in training camp, then preseason. Then preseason got canceled. If it wasn't then, then I thought by at least week five. And here we are, week three. He already took it over, possibly looking to start the rest of the season. For the Broncos, they had to go with Jeff Driscoll today due to Drew Locke being out with a shoulder injury. Jeff Driscoll looked absolutely terrible against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was inaccurate, held the ball too long, sacked multiple times, which some of it was the def- the O-line's fault and the defense is good. But other parts were him holding onto the ball too long. He wasn't making the right reads. He wasn't doing the right things when needed. That is a big problem when it comes to playing quarterback. I mean, Jeff Driscoll has only won one game as a starting quarterback in this league. Nine starts, he's 1-8. For the Broncos, he is not the answer for the backup, obviously. They did sign Blake Bortles, and Blake Bortles is was inactive because obviously he doesn't know the playbook. He's only been on the team for three days. But with the addition of Blake Bortles, that does give him a veteran presence bigger than Jeff Driscoll on that team and gives them an option if Driscoll and uh, and or Brett Rippon isn't playing well. 
I expect this week for the Broncos, there will be a battle for the starting position just because Brett Rippon came in later in the fourth quarter and almost led the Broncos down to score a touchdown. He looked extremely well. He started out seven for eight, seven for seven, but then he threw a pick that ended up uh, completely just ending the game practically. But Brett Rippon... Rippon was making all the right reads. He was getting rid of the ball fast, and he was just making sure the team wasn't making big mistakes. And that is the huge part of playing quarterback. If you can help the team without making mistakes, that's all you need to do. If you can go out there and prove that you can make the big throws, even better. Brett Rippon was able to make 20-yard throws, 15-yard uh, ends. He was able to find the open receivers. The only time he tried forcing it was when he got picked. And that comes with being a young quarterback. This is his first time ever playing a down in the NFL. But he still looked extremely poised and ready. He looked a lot better than Jeff Driscoll did. And that was only in one drive. The Broncos, if I were them, I would look into Brett Rippon and see if he's good enough to start this week. If not, you have to go Jeff Driscoll and hope Bortles knows the playbook well enough to back him up. But that will just be until Drew Locke is ready. Once Drew Locke's ready, obviously it's Drew Locke time. Every Bronco fan knows that. Everybody who looks into the Bronco organization knows that. But after an 0-3 start and your starting quarterback getting hurt, you've got to try to find something to get some momentum, to try and even make the playoffs at this point. Because if you start 0-3, it's hard. This is the first time in Bronco history they have started 0-3 in back-to-back seasons. And for Bronco fans, it's just very disappointing. Alrighty, it has been 10 minutes here on the Football Foundations. You know, I am your host, Arthur Meyer. I will be right back. We are going to talk Saints-Packers game, a very good game that the Packers were able to narrowly get away with in the end. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Football Foundations I am your host, Arthur Meyer. We are getting into the recap of the Sunday night game. This Sunday night game was absolutely phenomenal. I got a chance to watch it. It was amazing. Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees going at it. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees looked like the Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees of old. Aaron Rodgers already been playing great this season, but looked just as good. He was dropping dimes. He wasn't making many mistakes, and he was able to get any receiver he wanted. Drew Brees looked good too. However, Drew Brees was very good at checking the ball down today. He was able to find Alvin Kamara 13 times for 139 yards and two touchdowns. 139 yards. That is a lot. And you think about that, you're like, oh, okay. Well, how many yards did Drew Brees throw? He threw 288. But out of those 139 yards that he threw to Alvin Kamara, about 100 of them, were yards after the catch on his two touchdowns. He had a 50-yard touchdown that was a checkdown and a 40-yard receiving touchdown that was a checkdown. For the Saints, this goes to prove that Alvin Kamara is your guy. Even with Michael Thomas out, you need to make sure Alvin Kamara can get the ball. The Saints have not won a game without Michael Thomas. They've only played two without him. They really need to rely on Alvin Kamara. They were able to go out there and play a great game against a very good Packers team and they can still compete with anyone in this league. It'll help once they get Michael Thomas back, and it'll help if they get Alvin Kamara the ball. For the Packers, they just showed that 
they can't be stopped in the passing game or the running game or just offensively. I mean, the Saints defense is a good defense. However, Aaron Rodgers and Anthony Lazard were able to do pretty much whatever they wanted out there. Anthony Lazard had a breakout game today. I mean, you look at his stats. He put up amazing numbers. It was, for him, he had six receptions, 146 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, one The touchdown, it was a perfect pass. However, the biggest play he had was 72 yards, and it was an amazing catch and amazing throw. The Packers look great. Aaron Jones, 16 carries, 69 yards on the on the ground, and a touchdown. To go with that, he also had 17 yards receiving. The Packers, they only gave up one sack for uh, Aaron Rodgers. That O-line was able to stop a very good defensive line, including Cameron Jordan. Running the ball, they were able to get 98 yards, only averaging 3.8 yards a carry. However, still looked very good running the ball. I was very impressed with it. Defensively, we're able to force the turnovers. Zadarius Smith was able to recover a bad uh, handoff from Taysom Hill that really cost the Saints the game. The Packers, they have an MVP candidate in Aaron Rodgers again. He is playing like Aaron Rodgers did the Super Bowl year and the year after when they went 15-1. and This team is legit, and they are a scary team to look out for. They right now are probably one of the best teams in the NFC, them and the Seahawks, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the NFC. I project both of them being the one and two seeds and them meeting in the NFC Championship again. The Packers fans have a lot to look forward to this season. Anthony Lazard is coming out and showing that he could be a premier receiver, even though the Packers are just not very smart and wouldn't draft a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Instead, try drafting the future of the team, possibly, and Jordan Love. But Jordan Love's not going to get a chance to show to see the field for four more years. Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing lights out forever, it seems like. He is one of the, if not the most talented quarterbacks of all time. I would not say he's a top five quarterback. His uh, resume doesn't exactly prove that, unlike some of the other guys like Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning, even Drew Brees or John Elway. However, he has proven that he can just throw the ball whenever he wants the 72-yarder he threw to Anthony Lazard was an amazing throw. He seen, it was he threw it about 50 yards. However, he threw it off his back foot. It looked like a Michael Jordan fadeaway shot that he just launched into the air. It was an absolute dime. I know there's Danny Dimes and you know all of that, but Aaron Rodgers is the master of the dime. Him and Russell Wilson. They are the two greatest quarterbacks at throwing the ball at the perfect place when not in the ideal throwing scenario. We've seen Russell Wilson do it time and time again, getting out of the pocket, throwing on the run, and throwing these absolutely beautiful throws. You know who started that, though? That was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers back in 2010, he was doing that. 2011 was still doing that. 2012 was doing that. Aaron Rodgers is an absolute animal. He is a MVP candidate. Him and Russell Wilson look like the two runaways right now. Russell Wilson right now is my choice for MVP. But if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, it would be Aaron Rodgers. With that, I'm going to get into a few of the other games today. So a few of the other really good games. Some surprises. Some things not so surprising. And interesting enough, we have a tie today. First tie of the year. Ties do not happen very often in the NFL. 
the Bengals and the Eagles. A very good game. It was very enjoyable to watch. Joe Burrow looked good. Carson Wentz didn't look great until the last few minutes when he was able to go and tie it in and took the team on his back to tie the game. However, once it got to overtime, neither offense was able to do enough to score. I mean, this is the NFL, guys, and you can't even score in overtime. Yes, some people say, well, maybe the defenses just played better. No, they didn't. The defenses were allowing open uh, lanes, open passes. They were do doing good in rushing. Run defense was very good today from both teams. However, they really weren't stopping the pass game. They just The offenses weren't completing passes when they needed to. It was plain and simple. However, it still was a very good game. The Bengals, they kind of went out there and showed themselves that, hey, we can stay in these close games. We got a shot to possibly win some games this year. The Eagles, it's like... It's like a loaf of bread game for them. I mean, a loaf of bread, it's like, you know, it's okay. It's good. I like it. But it's not like there's so much more you can do with a loaf of bread. It's, instead of just eating the plain loaf of bread, it, there's so much more. And the Eagles expect to do so much more this season. They expect it to be playoff contenders, possibly NFC, NFC East champions. Right now, it doesn't look like that. I mean, 0-2-1, still technically winless. They, however, will not go the entire season with a loss. But they are winless, and for them, it's just they've really got to figure out what they're doing. They don't seem to know what their identity is. They have Miles Sanders, a great running back. They try to get him the ball, and he plays well. But then they try to rely on uh, Carson Wentz, who was an MVP caliber quarterback at one point in his career, but then injuries obviously derailed it. They really, if this Eagles teams want to succeed, they need to find their identity whether that is a premier running game or letting Carson Wentz do what he did, letting him expand the game, letting him go RPO, letting him know and make the right reads. For the Eagles, that's the big thing that they have to do. Another really good game today was the Cowboys-Seahawks game, like I mentioned earlier. Cowboys-Seahawks, the Seahawks won it, 38 to 31. However, it was a back and forth game all day long. Cowboys had a shot to go down and win the game later in the game. They were actually up 31-30 with 4 minutes left, but once again, Russell Wilson, magnificent, went and threw an absolute dot to DK Metcalf 20 from 29 yards out and uh, they completed the two-point conversion to give them a 38-31 lead, which ended up being the game winner. But the Cowboys of course, what did they do at the end? Threw an interception with 14 seconds left, only 26 yards away from the end zone. The Cowboys, they're a good team. I mean, one and two, but they played some good teams. They played the Rams and lost that game, and then also lost to the Seahawks. The Seahawks right now are the best team in the NFC, so that's not... It's, it's good how well they played. However, a loss is still a loss. You never want to lose, and it sucks. But the Cowboys, they have things to look forward to this season. They, Even though they're 1-2, they still look like the front runners for the NFC East. And they look like they could possibly make a good playoff run. I mean, the Cowboys, they've got the most talent, one of the most talented teams in the league. Right next to the Chiefs, Ravens. Um, the offense it is just crazy with Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. And last but not least, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, come on. 
for the Cowboys, they've got to be happy with the, the way they played, except for the two interceptions. Dak still put up 472 yards and three touchdowns. However, they really have not been able to figure out this run game. The Seahawks stuffed Ezekiel Elliott for 14 carries and 34 yards. That's only two and a half yards per carry. If you have who you think is going to be the best running back in the game in Ezekiel Elliott, he's got to find a way to get more than 34 yards. I mean, it's plain and simple. If you want to rely on your run game, you can't have your star running back getting only 34 yards. For the Seahawks, I mean, like I've said, they're the best team in the NFC, them and the Packers. Also, I've said this multiple of times, Russell Wilson, MVP. I'm saying it right now. He will win MVP this season or at least get his first MVP vote. He put up 315 yards and five touchdowns. Yes, you heard that right. Five touchdowns. He was able to go out there and absolutely deal, dropping dimes left and right. Not only dimes, nickels. That's how amazing they were. He was on fire once again. Uh, he was able to find so many different receivers. He targeted. He was able to get DK Metcalf four catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett nine catches, 100 yards, and three touchdowns. That is amazing. I mean, come on. Three touchdowns. That was just absolutely amazing job offensively by the Seahawks. However, they might have lost Chris Carson for next week and maybe a few more weeks. It's unsure. But I think they'll be fine. They still have a great passing game. They did sign Carlos Hyde back in the offseason, who is a good running back. He's no Chris Carson. But the Seahawks are a passing team now. Russell Wilson went out there and proved it. So if the Seahawks can continue throwing the ball the way they did, they will be just fine. Lastly, before we get into the football foundation, which I know everyone is just so excited for, it's my favorite segment, I hope it's yours too, this week's football foundation, it's going to be a bit of a surprise. I will not announce it until we get into it. I will go about a minute into it, see if anybody has any guesses. Obviously, you won't be able to tell me. But it'll still be interesting to see if you guys can guess who or what or when I was talking about. But right now, I want to get into these stats. The NFL leaders in certain statistics. Everybody knows statistics shows a lot. However, they do not show everything. With that, let's get into it. Dak Prescott right now leads the league in passing yards. However, his team's 1-2. and two. It's interesting enough that he's been able to go out there and put up these yards, but he's done that multiple times from being behind. He also only has five touchdown passes, which Russell Wilson had five touchdown passes today. If you look at the touchdown passes, I think that's one of the biggest keys on which quarterback's playing the best. You look at the th- the top three guys in passing touchdowns. Number one, Russell Wilson with 14. Obviously my MVP choice. Number two is Josh Allen with 10. He is, if the NFL had most improved player, it looks like it'd be him right now. Number three, Aaron Rodgers with nine. Those have been the three quarterbacks who have been absolutely amazing this season. I mean, Josh Allen, 10 touchdowns, one interception. Russell Wilson, 14 touchdowns, one interception. And Aaron Rodgers, nine touchdowns with no interceptions. These three guys have been playing great. Uh, Two of them MVP candidates. One of them my pick for most improved player if they were to have that. And then you look at the rushing yards. There's 
number one is Derrick Henry. However, Derrick Henry also has about 20 to 30 more attempts than everybody else in the league. He has 82 attempts for 319 yards. Obviously, he's a great running back, and it makes sense that he's leading the league in rushing yards. However, he is a guy who's going to carry the ball around 20 to 30 times a game, and that's going to help put up his numbers. We've seen him put up uh, 100-yard games in every game. However, he also is carrying the ball a lot. The, he is a guy that tires out the defense, but he doesn't get tired. And so that's why it makes sense that he's at t on top. Another guy is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, 303 yards. He's also got four touchdowns on this season. Aaron Jones has been playing great. I am very happy with the way Aaron Jones has been playing. I have him on a fantasy team, and I couldn't be happier. He's a guy, he's only got 50 carries compared to Derrick Henry's 82. However, he's been consistent. He's been able to do it each week, and he's not getting the same amount of carries and still almost has the same amount of yards. That actually goes to prove a lot. But then another, a big guy I want to talk about is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb week one did not play good. Week two played amazing. This week he played good. Wasn't the same as week two. But that's what puts him at number four is his week two performance. He's at 292 yards and the fourth most rushing yards this season. Another interesting way to look at stats is when you go to the receiving stats. There's multiple ways to look at these. I mean, with receivers, receptions is a huge thing. That means how often you're getting targeted and how often you are able to attack the defense, how often the quarterback looks to you. That kind of proves how good you are. And that goes to show why DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league right now. Three, 32 yards, uh, 32 receptions right now. He is leading the league by five. The closest to him is Alvin Kamara at 200 or 27. My bad. He's also leading the league in yards. Yes, that does come with the reception. However, receivers, the more receptions you get, that's an even better season. I mean, last year I said Michael Thomas was the best receiver in the league because he broke the reception record. That is amazing. However, he does not have the most touchdowns. Calvin Ridley and Tyler Lockett have the most touchdowns, and Mike Evans, they each have four. Mike Evans had two touchdowns today against the Broncos. Calvin Ridley, Calvin Ridley had two touchdowns against the in week one against the Cowboys. And not against the Cowboys, I'm sorry. They played the Cowboys week two. Week one, he had uh, two touchdowns, and week two, he had two touchdowns. The, this week, he didn't have any touchdowns, but still played well. He's the number one target there with Julio Jones not playing. And then Tyler Lockett, uh, this is why stats kind of lie. Because Tyler Lockett does have four touchdowns and 259 yards, which is very good. I mean, uh, but before this game, he had... 159 yards and one touchdown which in two games is still great that is still a pro bowl level receiver however it does lie to you when it shows that he has four touchdowns because that makes you think oh wow he caught a touchdown in every game and then uh, had a game of two touchdowns no he didn't but he is still playing very well and then there's guys who haven't caught as many touchdowns like deandre hopkins who is playing the best out of any receiver right now he only has one touchdown this season however he does have the most receptions. So that's the big thing. And I still think right now DeAndre Hopkins is the best player in the league. Uh, if he continues to play the way he does, possibly a chance for Offensive Player of the Year, but most likely will not have it. So with that, we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to get into our favorite segment of the day, the Football Foundations. I'll be right back.
Alrighty, welcome back to the Football Foundations. I am your host, Arthur Meyer. I am so happy you guys are tuning in, uh, putting together a great show. It's been so much fun. Looking forward to keep doing this and keep having y'all listen. With that, let's get into the best segment of the day, everybody's favorite segment. I'm going to try to incorporate more segments like this, a little different though, more uh, entertaining where I do something where I have to like spin a wheel and then have to talk about that, that subject. And right now, however, we're getting to our football foundation of the day, my football foundation of the day. I haven't told you guys what it is yet. I'll give you a hint right now. The hint is it was a play. It wasn't a game. It wasn't a player. It was one play. It was a play that led one fan base to absolute joy and another fan base to pure hatred of that one team. This play is one of the most iconic plays in NFL history. I believe the most iconic play of the 2000s decade. It happened to ultimately ruin the hopes of something that we've only seen once before. And it was the most important play, I believe, in the 2000s. I will give you another hint. This happened in a Super Bowl. And lastly, the last hint, if you haven't guessed it yet, this one will give it away. It happened and ended the undefeated season of a certain team. Have you guys got it yet? No? Yes? Alright, well I'll tell you anyways. My football foundation today is the helmet catch. David Tyree, Eli Manning to David Tyree. What an amazing play it was. I mean, if you haven't seen this play, I guess you just haven't watched football. It is just amazing. It's so iconic. Let's give a little background to this play, okay? The Patriots were 17 or 16 and 0 in the regular season. They were 19 and 0 or 18 and 0 in the playoffs or they won their two playoff games is what I'm trying to say. Got to the Super Bowl, had to face the who finished nine and seven Giants in the Super Bowl wild card team. Unexpected to be there. Patriots were able to lead majority of the game. Comes down to later in the game, less than two minutes left, and Eli Manning is in at quarterback for the Giants. Eli Manning takes the snap. He's looking to throw. He's got nobody. No one's open. Eli Manning's got hands in his face. He's about to get sacked. Some way, somehow, Eli Manning escaped the sack. He was ducking. He was throwing people off him. He was not going to go down if God came down and tackled him himself. Eli Manning was on a mission right on that play. He said, you know what? These Patriots are not winning another Super Bowl. Not on my watch. Eli Manning breaks out of the sack. He's looking. He chucks it deep. He throws it into double coverage to David Tyree. Now you've got to be wondering, who in the world is David Tyree? I mean, unheard of. He was not playing much in the regular season. And interesting enough, in the super in practice before the Super Bowl, David Tyree was playing terrible. He was dropping passes. He would not he had hands of butter practically it looked like he ate popcorn before he was practicing Eli Manning throws the ball to David Tyree David Tyree goes 
high points the ball. Rodney Harrison right next to him, uh, all pro safety at the time. Rodney Harrison tries to knock the ball out. David Tyree catches the ball, brings it to his helmet, and holds it on his helmet. Goes down. Ball looks so close to touching the ground and being incomplete. He keeps it up and gets the completion. That right there is one of the most iconic, incredible, immaculate plays in NFL history. I believe that is the second greatest catch in a playoff game ever, right next to the one and only immaculate reception. But this play, it had so much implications on it. It wasn't just because, you know, it's the Super Bowl and that's big. There was multiple teams rooting for the Giants. Obviously, you have the Giants rooting for the Giants and all Giants fans. You had pretty much the entire AFC rooting for the Giants. They're tired of seeing Tom Brady win all these Super Bowls and the Patriots and Bill Belichick getting all the glory and not losing a Super Bowl. However, I think the biggest rooters of this team besides Giants fans were Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning and the 72 Dolphins. Peyton Manning had been losing to Tom left and right, especially in big playoff games. And to see his brother go out there and get a chance to win the game, incredible for him. But then there's the 72 Dolphins. 72 Dolphins, only undefeated team in NFL history. The Patriots were looking to end that. But the 72 Dolphins knew the Giants had a chance. They were rooting for the Giants. They were hoping they got to pop that bottle of champagne and celebrate. This is the closest any team has been to upsetting the 72 Giants as the greatest team in NFL history. Or 72 Dolphins as the greatest team in NFL history. The Patriots, 18-0 going to that game, looking to finish 19-0. But David Tyree and Eli Manning would not allow it. After that play, with less than 30 seconds left, David or Eli Manning was able to find... Plexico burst, opened the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Giants were able to keep the Patriots from scoring, and boom, the Giants were Super Bowl champions since the first time since 1990s. The Giants and Eli Manning had finally did it. Not only did they did it, they saved the 72 Dolphins and ruined the Patriots' undefeated season. Patriots fans have to hate Eli Manning for that. I mean, I know they have the utmost respect for him, but after that game, it's like, wow, Eli Manning, this team that went 9-7 and seven in the regular season, we beat them in the regular season. Came out to beat us? Really? But the Giants was so well-deserved. Greatest play in Super Bowl history, possibly. It is the most iconic, and it was just amazing. That was one of the first games I remember watching, and I... It's just a memory that I will always have. And that is why that was my football foundation for the day. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. It's so appreciated. I hope everybody has a blessed day. Everybody is staying healthy, staying inside, wearing your mask, you know, trying to make sure you don't catch COVID, coronavirus. Please stay safe. Please make sure that you are not only staying safe, uh, physically, but mentally too. I want everybody to make sure they know they are loved. I may not even know you. Just know I love you. I just know that you are 
great and you're going to be great. You're going to keep doing and excel at everything. With that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. I am your host of the Football Foundations, Arthur Meyer. And everybody, have a great day. Tell someone you love them. Thank you.